This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It's that technology show that everyone's talking about for all the wrong reasons. I'm Stephen Scott, and with me, as always, I have my trusty band of double tappers. I'm not quite sure what that means yet, but uh, we'll go with that anyway. Uh, Sean Priest is here. Hello. Hello, I'm back. Did you miss me? Oh, were you away? Oh, so you were, yes. Uh, yes, oh, I was. Yeah. Yes, for a whole week. Well, that, do you know why? Because Tim and I had a good show that week. That's right. <laughs> right. Now I remember. That's it. I'm off on holiday again. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Tim Schwartz is also here. Hi, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. Yeah, I, I don't know that I noticed you were gone, Sean. That's that's amazing. That's pretty bad, actually, when you think about it. But, yeah, okay, we, we didn't notice. Sorry, we did. Well, no, we did. Of course we did. We kind of no, no, we didn't. What I want to know, Sean, though, is are you all right? Because at the end of the episode last week, I think you got electrocuted. Yeah, you see? Now, that's the proper holiday. Never mind your cruise ships. It's rewiring the studio. That's hardcore. Yeah. Did you have to get a man in at the end? <laughs> no. I'm just not sure if it's all working yet, but we'll find out. Well, if you survive this episode, then we'll know. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Uh, listen, we've got a special guest with us. Uh, for the first part of the show, anyway, I mean, he may stay. He may, he might decide after hearing the first two minutes of this program that he'd rather be somewhere else. And who could blame him? Uh, it's JJ from Blind Blar- Blind Bargains, Blind Bargains. I can't speak. Hello. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're on a time. <laughs> <laughs> nice seeing you, JJ. All the best. Um, no, uh, it's great to have you here. Blind Bargains. That's what you should call it. It'd be like um, Irish Blind Bargains. <laughs> it was St. Paddy's Day. Just couple days ago too so that would fit yeah i'm still recovering obviously <laughs> yeah clearly uh so yeah jj's here and we're going to talk about csun first off the bat kill the music guys kill the music because uh, i want to uh, get ryan to see some we were going to feature this last week um but you know jj's diary and and, and you know uh, kind of thing so jj's here now um let's just gloss over that and uh, talk about csun <laughs> how good was it in 2019 jj was it worth the visit yeah, it was a really interesting. Now, one of the, the big things this year, we moved. We were in San Diego forever. Actually, every season that I attended was all nine of the ones in San Diego. And this year, it moved north to Anaheim, California, right by LA, right by Disney. And of course, there was lots of parents and kids and families running around, but also lots <laughs> of uh, technology, uh, two exhibit halls. So it kind of got a little split up and expanded. Um, but new hotel, new venue, and so that, that was some of the talk. Just at least at the beginning, is how do I get around this place? And where are all the rooms? And we're, you know, you go to the same hotel year after year. You kind of get used to the certain things. You know, you know which tower to stay on and where the bar is at. All these things. But you know, once we got used to that, um, seeing a fair amount of of new technology, although not as much as in past years. Mm. Um, why the move? Do we I'm know? guessing yes, it's something to do with hotels and contracts and logistics and things like that. We were kind of getting big, too big for the uh, Manchester Hyatt in San Diego. Plus the hotel rates just kept going up and up and up. Not that they're cheap in Anaheim, but I think it seemed to be a little better arrangement. Plus there are a bunch of hotels uh, right in the very nearby vicinity. A whole bunch of events took place at the Hilton, which was about 150 feet away across the street so just to have a whole bunch of stuff right there in walking distance 
was very nice to have. And was it as uh, blind friendly as the previous venue? You know, it, as much as it can be. Um, actually, we'll get into one of the reasons that helped me in a minute, uh, talking about uh, tactile maps. It was a little more, the hallways were a little narrower in some places, you know, so you had some crowds. Perhaps you've and- just got bigger. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this house is shrinking. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> a little bit of both. Well, JJ, it sounds like you survived it well and, and did okay. And I think you were saying that a priority was finding the bar. So, hey, well done. Um, but but uh, that said, what what did you see? What what was good? What excited you? What wasn't good? It was a priority until I saw drinks for $14. Oh. Oh, that? Expenses. Thank God for delivery services. Um, yeah, it's a business you know, expense. So as I alluded to a minute, a minute ago, some of these things got announced in Florida already. So you know, usually Humanware would announce a new product at CSUN or some of the other companies. Well, they already kind of uh, blew their cover in Florida with the Brownout Touch Plus, which we talked about a few weeks ago. So there was a lot of, hey, this is what we announced last month. Now you can look at it because not too many people attend both of these things, except for the crazy ones like us. Just have to go to both in a month and from each other um so but there were a lot of smaller uh apps and services that were announced and you have a lot more presence from mainstream companies at csun so microsoft and google among others had a huge presence once again both with platinum sponsor suites uh, microsoft is i'm not sure if you guys talked about it yet but recently announced a release the latest version of seeing ai uh, where you can now explore photos and images by moving your finger around the screen and it will actually tell you what you're touching in the picture yep. as it identifies it. So that came out about a week or two ago. And then Google, just to jump on this as well, came out with an app, which they announced way back last year at Google I.O., but they finally released it called Lookout, which is their take on object ID slash barcode slash text recognition. I don't think it's come as far as seeing it yet, but... You know, Microsoft has a couple of years on them uh, as far as that is concerned. Well, yeah, but of course the problem with that particular app is it's only in the US and it's only on the Pixel 3 and it's only available on Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the, all the Pixels, um, but still, yeah, only the Pixels. It's kind of funny. That one's only on certain Android phones. The seeing AI remains certainly on, on iPhones, although now the iPad as well. So... You know, it's still pretty new as far as this object ID stuff, but it's definitely starting to gain some legs, you know, jumping from a completely like uh, obnoxious and not useful tool to something that's actually quite useful. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a really interesting app for sure. Um, I, I look forward to trying it out when I move to America, uh, which will never happen. <laughs> He's uh, never so happy. It- He's never happy. Is there a reason? <laughs> did you know the reason, JJ, why Lookout would be restricted specifically to the Pixel 3, I think, isn't it? It is all the Pixels. Um, oh, it is all the Pixel range. All the Pixels, but just the Pixels and Android 8. So I do not know the exact reason. I know Google has done this with other apps in the past where they started out on the Pixels and then they move it to other devices later on once they, you know, I think it has something to do with them wanting to give some of their shiny new features to their devices and encourage people to buy Pixel phones versus other Android phones. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a technological reason. I I mean, I get that. That's exactly what Apple did when they first released Siri on the 4S. You know, there was absolutely no reason it couldn't run on anything else, but they wanted to save that shiny new feature for the 4S as a unique selling point. But for something like Lookout, it seems like a slightly strange thing to restrict in that manner, you know, for an accessibility tool, which is what it is. 
right? I mean, the only the other thing I could think of is, you know, you don't know what you're going to get as far as a camera with other phones uh, or devices. Yeah. So, you know, if, if they want to guarantee as much as possible a consistent experience across the devices, probably the best way for them to do that is to only limit it to phones that they are well aware of. And why should Tim only have the fun on this one? That's what I don't understand. Why Why does he get all the fun and, and we've got to wait? That's that's my question. But I guess uh-huh. it will come to other territories <laughs> at some point. Perhaps yeah. they need to get the uh, British objects in there, you know, bangers and mash, bad teeth. So perhaps they're working on the database right now. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's right. pretty yeah, generic exactly. at the moment, right? You know, <laughs> computer, coffeeware, tableware, art. Okay, art's pretty uh, generic. <laughs> Wow, that's a whole debate on its own. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk to you about something which which wasn't necessarily, again, like you said, there wasn't much tech on show, but one thing that did come out of it was a, a lot of talk around software, a lot of talk around websites. Now, Sean and I have had an argument, uh, and I have to say I'm very pleased to say that I was right in this argument. That uh, Oh, wow. Where are you at the moment, <laughs> JJ? I'm, I'm starting to worry for your health. I hope I'm not standing on a train track. <laughs> I think you I, are. So do I. I feel like, you know, remember those old uh, black and white movies where the guy was strapped onto a, a railway track awaiting his fate? Um, this isn't this, is it? I, th- I, th- I think I'm okay. There's a building right here. I'm outside of a different coffee shop than the last time. So You're going to be on the news. There'll be a story with a man just stood in the middle of a track at a big train. And you, and you may have the last known audio. Oh, so no. just keep, keep this. Hope the recording comes out and uh, you can the use last this. last will uh, and audio of JJ. Worth yeah. it. That'd be quite annoying if the audio didn't work out, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, aside th- your train issues... Um, I want to talk about the Web Aim survey that came out. This was launched actually uh, as a result of CSUN. They, they wanted to, the guys at Web Aim wanted to promote this. And what they did was they, they ran software over 1 million front pages of websites. And they came up with some staggering numbers about inaccessibility. Now, again, they only looked at home pages of websites, which in some cases are, you know, they, there's usually a lot more on a home page than there would be on the individual pages, but it sometimes gives you an indication of the kind of errors or issues that you may run into. This was software only that ran through this, so no humans looked at it. They didn't sort of go through the top one million websites, uh, at least not by hand. But they did look at the most popular websites, ran some AI over the top of it, just to see what would happen if you used a screen reader uh, with a website that they picked on, one of the one million. The end result was that they uh, found, on average, 60 errors per homepage. 60. And on top of that, I think the figure was something like 91% of the websites Came, came down as not particularly accessible, if not just downright inaccessible altogether. A staggering number. Now, Sean, I hope you're eating your words over there when you tell me Fake the web news. is accessible. <laughs> a million hits. That's not enough. That's a, a small sample rate. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Fake news. Well, you know, okay, that's a lot of the, the, the discussion at CSUN. CSUN is as much a web accessibility conference yeah. as it is anything else. That's one of the huge focuses. And there's a huge discussion around automated web remediation versus manual and how far can automation really go to solve web accessibility. Of course, we know it's not a a complete band-aid. You can't just run a script as much as a few of the exhibitors would like to tell you there. You can't just run a script and (laughs) fix everything, you know, and the other thing too is, okay, 60 errors. Well, 
there are some errors that are much more serious than others, not to discount anything, but you know, I've run automated tests on websites that I own and have found things where, you know, I know it's a pretty accessible website that I've created because I wouldn't have created a website that wouldn't have been. So, you know, not to discount any of that, but I, I think, yes, a lot of it is automated versus manual. And then, as we now, of course, move into to mobile testing and look okay, at 2.1, it gets even more interesting. So there's always lots of catching up to do. Yeah, but uh, I, think, conference like this. I think though that the point that comes out of this survey is that the web is not as accessible as people might no, want it no. to think. No, 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 no. No, well, you're wrong there, Stephen. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the web is probably more accessible than the survey seems to make it be. Oh, come on, Tim, take him on. Well, here's, okay, here's the other question on this, though. Okay, you say 60% of pages are not accessible. I would wager that a very small amount of web pages are accessible by design. There are lots of websites that happen to be accessible by accident. Yeah. But then when they come in and they update their, you know, one of the scariest terms as a blind computer user is, we have redesigned our website mm. or our app. Like, oh, what have you done? <laughs> is, is it still <laughs> going broken? to so, you know, lots of things just happen. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a great example of that, actually, which was, was, isn't a website, but it was a an application that I downloaded. Uh, I won't say which one it was uh, because I, I am in talks with them right now to figure out the, some of the issues, and I, I don't want to publicly name them. Oh, at name this and shame. No, I don't because, truthfully, I, I want them to do well with this, and if they don't do it, then, yes, they will be named and shamed here. But ultimately, having a conversation <laughs> at the moment, and, you know, the desktop application was terrible, but they admitted there were faults with that. But then they said, well, you know, if, if anything else is accessible, then that's just luck. And the web app, the phone application, the iPhone application was fully accessible. Yeah. So you're like, oh, because like you, I'm thinking, well, that's brilliant until an update comes along and then they break it because they didn't realize they'd done it right in the first place. So it's a bit of an ongoing problem, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and if they weren't considering accessibility at the beginning, then obviously these type of things happen. You know, one thing you do get at CSUN, and you don't see this because they don't have booths, but there are a lot of mainstream companies that will send, you know, usually it starts off by them maybe sending one or two people the first year to kind of feel things out. And then... You know, they will come back and they'll report back and maybe next year they'll bring a whole team of people to go to sessions. And then maybe eventually they might even get a booth or or do a session or share what they've learned with accessibility. So you have lots of mainstream companies which don't get a lot of coverage. But, you know, like, for instance, I saw there were representatives from Airbnb that were there, you know, I mean, as, as an example. That's a website that was horrid accessibility-wise. And now I would say it's at least getting better. Um, you have uh, Slack, the chat app that we use a lot in our Team, the Blind Bargains team, they went from having a pretty inaccessible product to one that is quite usable now. And, you know, these mainstream companies are coming to the conferences. You have to seek them out, but they are willing to listen to you and you can give them feedback. So if you have a mainstream app that you work with all the time, so a lot of times you can find those people, they will come to, to see something, you can connect with them. It's a valuable opportunity. That's amazing. Yeah, the very fact that the mainstream companies are attending and they're listening to feedback, I mean, how much action they take on that feedback is another discussion. But the very fact that they're taking the time to attend, I think that's encouraging. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, even companies you wouldn't think of. I, I talked to someone from Ford a couple of years ago, like, okay, what are they, why is Ford here? But, you know, but, you know they have a website and they, they sell cars and blind people like to buy cars sometimes because they can get people to drive them for them. And 
So why not? Yeah, you definitely don't want me driving a car. Get somebody else to do it for me. But I, I think you're right. It it is nice to have <laughs> mainstream companies showing up at, at something like CSUN because I don't think that would have been the norm, say, maybe five years ago or so, or maybe not even that long, that it was mostly you know assistive technology companies and to see companies like Google and Microsoft and other mainstream companies showing up. And like you said, JJ, whether they're really listening or not, at least they're showing up and they're taking the feedback and they're doing something with it. Yeah, it's come a long way. Probably in the last five to 10 years, but every year you see and you hear of those are the companies I heard of that were there. You know, there are many others that are sending one or two people that, you know, you don't even realize are there unless you happen to run into them and yeah. while you're having your $14 drink. You're really annoyed by that, aren't you, JJ? That's, that's stuck <laughs> with well, that, I, I just wouldn't even drink if I'd gone there. Um, but I have one final question for you, JJ. Um, you know, a very important question I need to ask you. Was Stevie Wonder there? Did you sing with him? <laughs> <laughs> I believe he was. I did not uh, spot him, but he just seemed to make an annual appearance uh, to see something. The new location didn't uh, um, make him lost or anything. He was still able to uh, to hang out there and uh, sure got a few photo ops with people and, and everything else. Well, you know, he's got a few quid in the bank. I'm sure he could afford the, the plane fare. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, JJ, listen, I know you need to go, so we'll let you go. But thank you so much for coming on, telling us about CSUN. Uh, Blind Bargains also running lots and lots of podcasts from there as well. Is that right? Absolutely, yep. Uh, we did a three-headed monster again. Uh, myself, Joe Steinkamp, Shelley Brisbane recorded over 30 interviews there, all either up or on their way to being up, as you hear this, also transcribed as well. Superb. All right, listen, all the best, JJ. We'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, JJ. Thank you, JJ. Mind that train! <laughs> well, I hope JJ gets home safe. I am worried about him, but uh, hopefully it's all good. Uh, right, let's go back to the very beginning, shall we? Uh, we've talked there about the latest innovations in tech and in Braille and you know web accessibility and all of that stuff. But, you know, it, all of this can seem really daunting if you are at the very beginning stage, if you've maybe lost your sight or are losing your vision and kind of wonder about things like, you know, if you're if you are completely blind, can you use a computer? Well, all three of us use computers all the time. We go on fine with them. It does take a bit of work and, you know, takes a little bit of rethinking. But uh, Sean's decided to put together a series for us, starting this week with that question. Can you use a computer when you're blind? Every now and then, somebody will ask me that question. You know the one. How do you shave? No, 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 not that one. That's ridiculous. I mean, this one. How do you use a computer? You're blind. Or... How do you use a smartphone? You can't see. Now, I'm not an angel, and my initial reaction is always one of indignant rage and contempt. You know, something along the lines of, why is it in this day and age that people still have such a low expectation of what someone with a disability can do? How dare you? Ra, 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 boo, boo, etc. But recently, someone asked me that question just in a slightly different way. How do I use a computer? I'm blind. Oh. Actually, I realise it's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. If you've used mainstream or assistive technology for a long time and feel comfortable with it, it's sometimes easy to fall into that trap that, well, everyone knows this. And of course, the truth is that every day there is someone new coming to the world of assistive tech, trying this technology for the very first time. And for them, it's a totally different way of doing things. So today, we're going to go back right back to the start to try and answer that question. How do you use a computer or a smartphone when you're visually impaired? 
So let's start at the beginning. How do people usually use a computer? And of course, the answer is a keyboard, a mouse or a touchpad if you're using a laptop, and a screen. Using the mouse, you move a point around on the screen to double-click on icons to open apps or open files, drag and drop things to different locations, or open and close windows. But what happens when you can't see the screen, which means you can't see the mouse pointer, which means you can't use the mouse? Well, of course, it means we can only use the keyboard. So throw away that mouse. Well, not literally, but don't worry because most of the things you can do with the mouse, you can also do just using the keyboard. I know it seems crazy, but it's true. Let's take a look at something like a Windows computer. For example, instead of clicking on the Start Menu button on the screen using the mouse, just press the Windows key on the keyboard. It does the same thing. If you want to jump back to the desktop, simply press the Windows key and the letter D together. To close down an app or close a window, simply press Alt and F4. And to open an app or open a file, just press Enter. Now these are called keyboard shortcuts. And yes, I know what you're thinking, and you're right. Learning these for the first time can be frustrating, and it can take a while. But once you do learn them, using them is like second nature. And let me say this: so far, this isn't assistive tech. This is just Windows built-in keyboard shortcuts. You'll find that power users use these all the time to save taking their hands off the keyboard and reaching for that mouse to do something. It's far quicker to use a keyboard shortcut. And this isn't just a Windows thing. You'll be able to use keyboard shortcuts on a Mac or a Chromebook or whatever computer system you're using. Okay, so that's how we move around and interact with the computer without being able to use a mouse or see the screen. But how do you know where you are, what file you're on, what menu item you're on? How do you read a text document? How do you read a website? Ta da! This is where assistive technology comes to the rescue. In our case, there's basically three options: a screen reader, magnification, or a braille display, or of course, a combination of all three. Now, I would say that a screen reader is probably the most popular and most used type of assistive tech. So I'm going to focus on that, but I will look at magnification and braille displays next time. A screen reader, as the name suggests, reads the screen. Using a computer-synthesized voice, it will actually tell you what file you're on. If you're on a start menu, a menu item, a button, a piece of text, it will read websites, everything. This is my screen reader as I'm navigating through the C drive of my computer. C items view list. Dollar sign size reset not selected one of eleven. And using the up and down and left and right cursor keys, I can move through the items. Intel two of eleven, MSO cache three of eleven, OneDrive temp four of eleven, perf logs five of eleven, program files six of eleven. Now, if I wanted to open one of those folders or open a file, I would simply hit enter. If I wanted to delete it, just hit delete. It's as simple as that. And as you could hear, the computer voice wasn't some sort of strange-sounding robot voice. It's clear and it's natural. It's great. I did slow it down slightly so you could understand it better. But once you get used to it, you can speed up the speech rate to something you like. And you can also choose between a wide selection of voices and accents if you want. I mean, it's a bit like when I first met Stephen Scott. Understanding that funny accent was hard at first, but I soon got used to it. 
I've just come down from the Isle of Skye I'm nowhere big and I'm awful shy And the lassies shout when I go by Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. Anyway, to really emphasise that point of how efficient and how productive you can be using a screen reader, I'm going to give you a quick demo. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit the Windows key to bring up the Start menu. I'm going to type Chrome and hit Enter to bring up the Google Chrome web browser. I'm then going to type double tap dot online to go to our fantastic website, shameless plug. And then I'm going to jump through the stories on that page. Now, when I explain it like that, it sounds long-winded and tedious, but let's see how quickly I can do it. Start window. A O O. New tab. Google Chrome. D U B L E T A P. Dot O N L I N E. Double tap. Dot online selected. Double tap online. Clickable banner landmark. Double tap online. Visited link heading left. Seeing AI now lets you explore photos by touch link heading level two. Boosh! Grease lightning. As you can see, once you get used to how a screen reader works and keyboard shortcuts, you really can be efficient and just as productive as a sighted user using a mouse. So that, in a very basic nutshell, is what screen readers can do and how they allow us to use a computer. And, as I did mention them earlier on, not only a computer, but also smartphones. All three of these different types of assistive tech, the screen reader, magnification and braille display, also apply to smartphones. Now, of course, when you're using a smartphone or a tablet, then you've got a different interface. You're using a touchscreen and your finger. But the way they work is basically the same. So when you put your finger on a touchscreen, a screen reader will read aloud whatever you're touching, be it an icon, an app, or a piece of text. Or a magnifier will obviously zoom in on that area you're touching. And if you're using a Braille display, well, it will display it in Braille. But today, I'm just giving you the general concepts. We will deep dive into more details in future episodes. Anyway, that's what screen readers are, but how do you get hold of one? Well, luckily enough, the chances are that there's a built-in screen reader on your computer right now. If you're using a Windows machine, you have a built-in screen reader called Narrator. On Mac OS, you have VoiceOver, and on Chrome OS, you have ChromeVox. And likewise, on a smartphone or a tablet, if it's an Android tablet, you have a built-in screen reader called TalkBack, and on an Apple iPhone, you have VoiceOver again. Now, these screen readers come pre-installed on the operating system, so it's just a case of enabling them. Now, the way you do that is different for each one, and as I said, we will go into that in more detail later on. But for example, on Windows, pressing the Windows key, the Control key, and the Enter key at the same time will start Narrator, and pressing them again will exit Narrator. On the Mac OS, press Command and F5. While there are screen readers that come bundled with a device or with an operating system, there's also third-party screen readers that you could install yourself. Now, these are mostly for the Windows operating system, and one of the most established ones, it's been around for decades, is called JAWS. That's J-A-W-S, which stands for Job Access with Speech. Hmm, now you know. And as I said, it has been around for the longest time, so it is extremely well supported. It has many, many features. It's particularly good in things like Office 365, and it is probably the most used screen reader out there. But here's the catch. Sadly, it isn't free. It does cost quite a bit of money, so that's something you need to keep in mind. Another very popular screen reader, and the one I actually use, is called NVDA. That stands for Non-Visual Desktop Access. And that one is free. Hooray! 
but despite being free, it is also very powerful. In fact, it has many of the features that you'll find on Jules. Other screen readers include Supernova from Dolphin, System Access from Serotech, there's also one called Orca for Linux operating systems, and more I can't remember right now, but I'm sure someone will email me about later on. Okay, we're nearly out of time, so let me quickly say this. How do you decide which screen reader you should use? Well, in some cases, it just comes down to which device you're using. For example, if you're using a Mac or an Apple iPhone, really, you can only use VoiceOver. If you are using something like Windows, where you do have more choice, then things like the cost of the screen reader, of course, comes into play, but also what support is behind it. So, for example, do you want a customer support line that you can call up when you're having a problem? Or are you happy with just a online manual and a support forum? But look, at the end of the day, as with many aspects when it comes to technology, knowing where to start is probably the scariest part. With so many choices and so much jargon, it just gets confusing. But when it comes to screen readers, I don't think there is a wrong choice. If you learn any of the screen readers I've mentioned here, it will give you a great start when you want to learn a different one. Yes, you'll have to learn different keyboard shortcuts to do different tasks in different screen readers. But once you know the basics, it's nothing you can't pick up fairly easily. So there you have it. There is no such thing as a stupid question. These are all questions that we've asked. I've personally asked these questions in the past. So, if you are unsure or you just want more information, just ask. Thanks for that, Sean. And there are lots more features like that coming up here on Double Tap. You know, this isn't just a house for the geeks, although we are all geeks, let's be honest about it. But it's not just a house for them. Everyone is welcome. So uh, we'll have more features focusing on the very beginnings of tech and how to use smartphones and all that stuff when Sean can be bothered to do it. Um, Anyway, up next, stick around because Tim's Bits makes a rather uh, um, pleasant return. (laughs) Wow. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back. This is Double Tap Canada. Hello. Uh, I'm Stephen. He's Tim. And he's Sean. Hello. Hello. And it's time to get Tim's bits out again. Oh, dear. We really need to to rethink that. That's just terrible. Um, Anyway, I have to say the contents are more pleasant. That's even worse. Uh, Look, let's get on with it. Uh, did you know that iOS 12.2 is out and it's got some big accessibility enhancements? Here's Tim. On March 25th, 2019, Apple held its annual spring event to announce its showtime. Tim Cook and company took the stage to tease us about their upcoming video streaming service, a new subscription-based video gaming platform called Apple Arcade, the new Apple Credit Card, and the updates to the Apple News app called News Plus that will include a monthly subscription for newspapers and magazines. And all of these services came to us less than one week after Apple had announced new iPads, an iMac, and new AirPods. But what I want to talk about is what was released at the conclusion of the Apple event, iOS version 12.2. So sit back and relax as I tell you about five of my favorite updates in iOS version 12.2. Number one, for you Braille users out there who use real-time text to communicate, 
you no longer have to scroll up and down or back and forth to find out what the other party in the conversation is saying. Now, real-time text or RTT automatically refreshes as you're having your conversation using Braille. Number two is a new feature that Apple has implemented under the voiceover settings called Accessibility Events. Accessibility events allow websites to customize their behavior for assistive technologies like voiceover. When enabled, accessibility events may reveal whether or not you have assistive technology active on your iPhone. Number three is a major update to the quality of audio messages that you send in the iMessage app. Previously, the audio recordings that you would send in the iMessage app sounded like you were talking to someone underwater in the 1970s on a landline corded telephone. That's because the old audio messages were recorded at only 8,000 hertz. The new audio messages are now recorded at 24,000 hertz and sound so much better. Number four, Safari now has a built-in automatic alert system to let you know when a website does not have a valid SSL certificate. Basically, what this means is whenever you encounter a website that is not secure or has not been encrypted, Safari will alert you that this website may not be protected. Number five, Apple News officially comes to Canada with the release of Apple News Plus. Building on what was already available in the Apple News app, Apple News Plus is a monthly subscription service that will offer 300 plus newspapers and magazines in the United States, as well as 200 plus magazines and newspapers in Canada, both in English and in French. Apple News Plus has been integrated into a slightly redesigned and simplified Apple News app and will cost $9.99 US per month. What I really like about Apple News Plus so far is that most, if not all, images come with captions, and each of the articles are able to be navigated by headings, and they do read very well with voiceover. And the new simplistic design of the app makes it much more easy to navigate overall. So that's my list of five things that I really like in iOS version 12.2. What are your opinions of this update? Do you agree with my list or did I leave something out? Let me know by sending an email to feedback at ami.ca. Thank you, Tim. Oh, I do love a good update. Uh, well, there we go. Some new features to play with. Uh, right, look, uh, we, how far are we into this program? Uh, we're halfway in and we haven't even mentioned Apple's Showtime event yet. I have to say, there are days that we would have been upfront on that. That would have been like number one. That's all we just talked about. I'm, I'm going to put it out there, guys. I am just—I was disgusted, frankly. Disgusted. <laughs> disgusted is slightly strong, I think. It, <laughs> yeah, it's it was a bit strong. It wasn't a great event. Let's be honest. I thought the last half hour or so, when they brought all the celebrities out, oh, that was so boring. Oh, I know. It was a telethon. It was exactly. But yeah, okay, so you know, the services. It was all about services and there was some interesting stuff that they released. No. No, no, okay, okay. So let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, I believe. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Tim loves that song. Um Yeah, so News Plus. Now, my argument against this, so we've got a magazine subscription service, newspapers and a news service all in one, $9.99 US What's a month. What's not to love? Well, no, my argument is that the whole magazine concept is dead. No one cares about magazines How anymore. How dare you? No, it's true. Look, everyone's got Twitter, Facebook, RSS, websites, whatever. So magazines, the whole concept of a magazine to get your news and information from... No, I, I don't think that's a flyer. But a for lot me. of magazines aren't 
only news and information, or at least top news, that might be what you get from breaking news alerts and things on Twitter or Facebook or other places. But as we found out, those can't always be trusted. Uh, and a lot of the things that you find in magazines are features. People like interviews and features and things like that, more in-depth information. And a lot of the magazines that are in the News Plus uh, subscription, which I've, I have taken a look at, I am in my one-month free trial right now. I don't know if I'll keep it, but there's a lot of magazines, a lot of popular magazines that you can read and get those features from them. So it's not just about top news or, or headlines. Yes, you just read the magazine for the features, Tim. I know I've heard that before, but no. You, I only you, read it for the articles, yes. <laughs> it's wrong. Because, look, people, there, there's websites that are specific to one topic. If you're into golf, fishing, whatever it is, I don't know. There's a website, there's a, a Google group for you, there's a Yahoo group, if they still go, I don't know. But there's something out there. There's a group specific to you. Reddit, for example, that's taken over everything. I think the whole thing with a magazine was the very tactile and physical nature of it. I mean, Texture, which was the company that Apple took over to gain this service, really, I think the name sort of says it all. It's very much sit down with a cup of tea and a piece of cake and flick through a magazine. I think magazines, as newspapers and print in general, is sort of on the way out. Um, okay, I'm going to call the word we can't say on air on this um because and it smells a bit that gives you enough of a clue uh i think your problem sean and of which well, i mean i'm not freud but i will try and <laughs> dig through some of this um you you can't see uh, and i think you've forgotten that there's a world out there that can and i think those people might actually quite like magazines and that's yes. okay Yes, being the... cited is okay. I mean, we've never really said it's not. Um, <laughs> it's, it's okay to be cited, you know. It's all right. Breaking We're news. Okay with it. <laughs> yes, but of course. But the whole thing is that <laughs> we don't like them. Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> speak for yourself. Digital media has taken over. Okay, and the whole thing with digital magazines, it just seems like you're trying to keep hold of that old way of doing things. Um, the the, the magazine specific to a topic or whatever I, I just think those days have gone no 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 i don't want to say anything against like you know middle-aged guys in their mom's basement ty typing on reddit or or something like that but would you prefer to get your news from them or companies that have been doing magazines for decades and decades that have you know tried and true journalists and, and systems in place to get you real news with real journalism you know, I, I would t I'll take the, the the people that are professionals in this over somebody uh, blogging yeah. or or tweeting totally or totally or doing agree. Reddit or whatever from from their home. I, it's one thing to have a conversation with people on social media about the news, but I don't necessarily want to get my news from those people. No, I agree. I know. I, I look. I mean, I, I think it is one of those personal choice things. I, my first question is how accessible will these be? I remember when. Um, there was iBooks started launching magazines a good few years back. Yeah. And I used to love the T3 magazine out here in the UK, which is kind of like a, it's a gadget magazine, right? And it's, you know, there's like, there used to be anyway, they probably don't do this anymore, but it's like a scantily clad woman, you know, draped in cameras uh, and, you know, laptops. And, you know, I remember thinking, I remember my mother walking into the room and she's saying, what filth is this? <laughs> and I was saying, 
what's filthy about it? I said, that camera's lovely. I said, never mind the camera. What about the woman? And I said, there's a woman there? I wasn't even interested. <laughs> Look at but, the cores on that CPU. I know. Absolutely. Check out the lens on that. Um, so with all that in mind, um, I was quite, you know, uh, you know, I enjoyed those magazines. But when I got it on iBooks, I thought this is brilliant, but it wasn't accessible. You couldn't even enlarge the text and voiceover wouldn't read anything. I'm hoping that's different. Tim, please tell me you've been trying this out. Are the magazines accessible with, say, voiceover? So far, so good. Unlike Texture before it that Apple did buy out, some of the text there would be accessible, but not very much. And it it was just awful, quite honestly. Texture wasn't great. But so far, with what I've uh, explored with News Plus... The magazines and newspapers that they feature there are accessible. A lot of times you might find an image where the image doesn't have text, uh, like an alt tag to it. However, right below it, it'll say caption and explain what the image is. So that's very accessible. And yeah, I have not yet encountered any magazine article or any magazine at all that's not been accessible voiceover. Everything is read really, really well. Okay, look, with my objections being noted, I've got to say the ad-free nature of this service is also a major plus. Um, Mm. Now, is it worth paying a monthly subscription to remove all ads? Well, from the news app that I know anyway, it's very clear. It's very nicely laid out from an accessibility point of view. So to access whatever magazine, newspaper or news through that medium without ads, because I don't know about you, but I'm finding that when I'm going to websites now, thanks to the data protection law that came through, um, there's so many, I agree, we may use cookies. There's so many dialogues popping up now. It is becoming a bit of an issue. Yeah, websites are an absolute nightmare to get information from. Um, You know, the only kind of get past it is often on the Mac or on the iPad or even on the iPhone with reader mode. That sometimes gets past a lot of that. Uh, and I know some of the, the websites are now offering, uh, the web um, browsers are offering that as well, which is good. I, I think that the, I agree with you. It's getting to the information. One thing that annoys me on Apple News, and I know it's fairly new to Canada, but one thing that annoys me about Apple News is when you're going into a story and it will say, um, okay, so it'll give you the top paragraph. And it'll say, read more here. And then it bounces you off to the website. And you think, oh, really? Yeah. And you've got to go through all that nonsense again. Whereas a lot of the articles, I do like the, the way they're printed the way they're available. But this is all down to the individual publisher and how they want you to consume their content. Ultimately, I guess they'll want you to pay. Just on the Apple News point, though, uh, Apple News itself continues as a free service, but you've also now got the Apple News Plus, which you can pay for. Um, I kind of like the way they've done that. I like the fact they've left Apple News as it is. You can pay for Plus if you want it. That gets you the magazine subscriptions. I think you know it's only rolling out in the US at the moment, but in Canada... Um, no, it's you're going to get well. It is yeah, it's in Canada, but it's also it's it's mainly U.S. publications at the moment, isn't it? That a lot of the newspapers, for example. Actually, um, the newspapers and magazines in the U.S. you get 300 plus uh, in the United States. In Canada, I think it's 200 plus. There are many in English as well as many in French. Well, that's good. So there's lots. Well, that's good. That's not a bad start actually, because uh, there's nothing yet in the U.K. which is just. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, that's uh, supposed come, to come later this come. year. I think they said probably sometime uh, after summer. Let's talk about Apple Arcade, the most boring thing I've ever heard of. Um, so, <laughs> Speaking of someone who uh, doesn't remember that sighted people like to do things, games are visual. Oh, Ooh, he's got you there. Yeah, but the difference is games are boring and stupid and only idiots play them. Like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. As he's wearing his VR helmet 
driving his virtual bus. Correct. I'm not playing a game. I'm not playing any games. Well, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm, I'm actively uh, being a, 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 an appropriate member of society a being a bus driver. <laughs> I'm not gunning people down or driving over things. I'm just well, having you are, a lot of fun. But not intentionally, yes. <laughs> well, not intentionally, exactly. There's a difference. So, the Apple wow. Arcade. Uh, again, now, this is a subscription service to give you as many games as you like. Is, is Am I getting that right? No. This is another way for Apple to get more money out of us. Uh, listen, okay, for. now I've heard this so many times uh, and it's I'm ridiculous. Tired of this I've, argument, yeah. Exactly. It, it was a money grab. Of course it was. It's a business. How many people, how many companies out there do these events and, oh, oh yeah, it's free? Because they're, they're struggling for cash, aren't they? Someone should, you know what Tim, Tim Cook should do? Sorry, I ended up calling Tim Apple. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know what Tim Cook should do? He should go to his bank, uh, put the, his, his uh, credit card or whatever, in the Apple card into the, the card machine. And you know that thing on the machine that says check balance? He should do that. I think you'll find you've got a few quid in there, Tim. You're doing all right. Oh, you're doing all right, so just stop. Yeah, okay. Don't yeah, bother doing anything absolutely. else. Give away some they're stuff. a business. Of course they're in it to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, so, so the Apple Arcade, um, on the back of the Google Stadia announcement, which was amazing, this was slightly Terrible. less impressive, I've got to say, but then I'm not a fan of mobile gaming, even I'm... I'm putting the Apple TV gaming in with that as well because I find mobile games are shallow and the control system is always terrible. So I don't think this is um, particularly exciting, but the numbers that they they gave of a billion downloads of games and games being the most popular category, I mean, you can't argue with the numbers, I guess. Yeah, when you've got so many people playing Fortnite and Minecraft and, you know, Mario games and, you know, Pokemon and all these different things on a mobile platform, even a lot of the games that are available on Apple TV are actually really good, especially if you get a game controller. No. The Yes, the Apple TV does have a really good <laughs> library of video games. And back in the day when I had more vision in my younger days as a gamer, I would have loved to be able to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pay $10 a month or whatever it is. We don't know what the cost is yet. We'll find out later this summer. But whatever the cost is, one flat rate per month to get access to whatever games are in this. If they're if they are good games, games, and from what it sounds like, they're going to be some good games. To have that access, I'm limited, uh, you know, just for my monthly fee. I know I would have loved that as a kid, and my parents would have loved it because instead of buying a new game at fifty dollars a title every time I wanted a new game, I'm sure That's they would true. have much rather spent ten or fifteen bucks a month to get me access to hundreds of games in an, in a library like that. No, so no, you wouldn't have been happy. Look, there's a big difference between paying fifty bucks for Super Mario World to playing Flappy Bird on your TV with terrible controls. I mean, it's a huge difference. The mobile gaming market. You clearly aren't be- playing video games on your phone. What? Yeah, okay, Crossy Roads. I mean, it's the the pinnacle. It's so shallow. There's no depth to it at all. Fortnite, as you mentioned, look, a huge game. It's up there. I mean, Apex Legends is probably taking over that now. But Fortnite, the, the reason the mobile version of that is taking off is purely because of the console version, because of the PC gamers out there. Um, the, the, the mobile version isn't a patch. When you, the controls are incredibly difficult to do. It's just mobile gaming isn't mature enough yet. It isn't the same thing. Mobile gaming is killing five minutes while you're waiting for a bus. Yeah, well, I, yes, okay, and so let me try and bring some let me bring some balance to this discussion as best I can. Considering, obviously, I hate. Say you really? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. um, but you know, this is my this is my job to apparently be a balanced person. Um, 
That's almost impossible with nystagmus, I have to tell you. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, I wonder if, and I, you both of you, when we were, were watching the event together, because we're all saddos and we spend too much time together, <laughs> um, we were, um, were sitting there watching the event, and one of you said, I think it was you, Sean, that said, this is actually quite good because it's kind of aimed at not your typical, you know, what I would imagine to be a gamer, you know, and I, I don't even think young people necessarily these days, I'm thinking anybody really, any age now it seems, are into these big games like Fortnite and all the rest. This this in itself seems more like something for your average everyday Candy Crush or Pokemon or whatever. That seems more like that. Is is that the case, do you think? I don't think so, Stephen, because some of the games that they were previewing at the Apple event and some of the games that they're saying are going to be part of this aren't just your Candy Crush and, and those kinds of things. You're talking you know, pretty immersive 3D interactive games. Yes, I get it. You may only spend five minutes on that on an iPhone or an iPad. But since this will be available on Apple TV, and that is a much bigger, better gaming platform, I'm not saying it's like an Xbox or a PlayStation. I get that. Terrible. But uh, as the parent of a child who plays lots of games on Apple TV, uh, I'm aware that there are some really good games on Apple TV. And so if that type of game is included in this, I don't think it's going to be just for the five-minute burning time people. Yes, that might be part of it, but I think there's going to be a lot of other options in there for continuing gameplay for longer gameplay so you're the target audience then tim would you be getting a subscription to this for your daughter depends on the level of games we're talking Fortnite and those types of games that are way above her age level probably not eventually if she becomes Mm. more of a gamer and would play a lot of the games that are part of this get her an xbox surely yeah surely depending on the price i might but you'd surely be able to have better parental control over that, wouldn't you? Because yes. in theory, she, you know, your daughter's only six, so she would. That was a question, by the way. That wasn't me. I didn't stand on a nail. <laughs> yes, um, she is six, almost seven. Yes, but she, um, she would. I guess yeah, she's not going to be able to play games at. I don't know what the, the age ranges are on these things, but, you know, I imagine these... I don't have children, right? Okay, I don't have kids. Yeah, I've I don't already know, got I don't that locked anything. down. I'll save you on this one. Yes, on the iPhone, iPad, on our Apple TV especially, I have those parental controls turned on. She can't access apps or even games that are rated for a certain age level or above. We have to put in a code if she wants to get into something that uh, is, is rated that high. Say if she wants to watch YouTube, you know, kids' silly videos on YouTube or something, we've got it set up with a code that you have to put in. So, yes, I can control that. But again, I'll have to see this summer, what are the games that are included? Are there games in there that are going to be appropriate for her? Can I separate them from games that are not appropriate with certain parental controls? All of that has to be there. And if the price is reasonable, like I said, when I was a kid, I'm sure my parents would have loved to have signed up for this because between going to the game rental store, yes, that was a thing when we were kids uh, and renting games over and over again, or, you know, like we said before, buying them at 40, $50 a pop. uh, My parents would have loved to have a subscription service. that was a flat rate. Same thing. You would have hated them. Right. Calm yourselves down Sorry. because I want to. We've only got five minutes left. Oh, quick. Like we've talked Oof, this whole goodness. show, but we weren't going to do this whole segment on Apple. But there we go. Uh, one final thing to talk about, and that is the Apple TV. Uh, so what they've done is they've put iTunes into Apple TV. They've called it Apple TV, and then they've come up with this other idea, which would cost more money, and that is Apple <sighs> TV Plus, the worst name in history, and it features shows with people like Oprah and some guy from Game of Thrones. Is that kind of it? No, no. <laughs> 
but we'll have to go with that. There's TV channels where they're going to be implementing other apps into the TV uh, app itself. So you don't have to go out to those other apps anymore and have your subscriptions all in one place. Uh, the, the movies and TV shows that they're going to be launching with the likes of Steven Spielberg and Jennifer Aniston and M. Night Shyamalan and Opie, as you kept saying, but Ron Howard, um, when we were watching it together, you just couldn't get over him being Opie. Oh, um, yeah, Richie Cunningham was there. Yeah, Richie Cunningham, I was exactly. expecting the funds. Uh, yeah. I, I think there is more to this, and they are striving to be Netflix, but maybe more, especially if they open up the iTunes library as part of this and having it all in one app and everything. I'm interested. I'm not excited yet, but I am very interested. Nobody's interested or excited. I mean, I don't know. Look. Jennifer Anderson and Reese Witherspoon in one show. If I had my vision, well, never mind. Yes, you don't. So forget about I'd it. I'd be interested. Look, <laughs> it's, there's two things to this. Why didn't they give a price out? So why did they mm. announce it? It's really strange. But so we got the Apple bringing its own um, content. So that's one thing. We don't know if that's going to be good. We don't know if that's going to be bad. There's no way to tell yet. They've got some big names, as you've said, on board. So it's not going to be rubbish. I mean, Spielberg's behind it. You know, Oprah Winfrey's there, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston. Well, it's hardly going to be home movies, is it? Well, no, no, but yeah, we'll find out. We will see. So there's that aspect of it. But the, the work they put into the TV app, which I've got to say is pretty good right now, the extra work they put into that of adding, uh, particularly in Canada and the US, I think this is where it's going to be... Uh, uh, have more of an impact um, with the things like what is it HBO and Stars and Showtime mm -hmm. and those subscriber services. Uh, you know the integration they've done with that is great. The TV app being available on the Amazon Fire TV stick and other smart TVs again That's a really a good deal. idea. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, yeah, that was actually you know that was very quickly skipped over, but yeah, that was actually quite a big announcement and it kind of. One of the things I was kind of hoping for was that there'd be some kind of hardware announcement. There wasn't. But then they said, oh, and of course, Apple TV, the app, will be available on Amazon Fire Stick. And like, oh, hang on. What? Yeah, we what? were expecting yeah. a dongle really? or something, and we just got it straight on there, which is fantastic news. And for the accessibility standpoint of this, apps like HBO Go and HBO Now and the other standalone apps that you subscribe to for those TV uh, channels are not accessible. HBO's apps and Showtime's apps, etc. They're awful. So if Apple's going yep. to incorporate that or when they do incorporate that into the TV app and it'll be as accessible as it is now to still access that content, that just opened up a lot of doors for people who use screen readers. I, yeah. th I think like actually like the um, Apple Arcade, I think this is something, it's just the start. Um, I think we got to look further down the future, which is probably what Apple's are doing. Yep. Apple Arcade, think of it when AR really hits, when we get the Apple glasses, uh, augmented reality, then that's going to come into its own. Uh, the same with Apple TV. As soon as we get some more content on there and some more subscription and they get more channels, um, I think it could really take off. As the world gets more visual, my sight gets worse. Well, there's a downer to end the show on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Usually he opens it with the downer. You're going to close this time. I know, honestly, just in case you, you know, I think this all sounds brilliant, but it's like, pff, so what? But it will be accessible. Um, Being Apple, accessibility is always, you know, there's a good chance of. No, of I, I, am, I am excited about AR. I am excited about AI and all that stuff. I think it does actually have a lot of benefits to us. Um, maybe not the obvious ones like the games. I mean, I think if you've got some vision, that's fine. And, you know, there are a lot of groups out there for visually impaired people who have got enough vision and love games, and they will you know, be able to play these games and enjoy them. 
um, like But we you. won't, so there you go. <laughs> well, look, that's it for us for this week. Um, we are out of time, uh, but uh, we're back next week, which is fabulous. Uh, all three of us here next week, is that right? I'm here. I will be here as well. Excellent. Well, that is it for us. Uh, do keep in touch. Feedback at ami.ca. That is our email address. Feedback at ami.ca. They run it through the special filter to take out all the bad words that you send, <laughs> and then we get the nice clean version <laughs> delivered to us. Um, and don't forget the podcast as well. You'll get that on ami.ca. Uh, you can check out more of our blogs and nonsense at doubletap.online. Until next week, thank you for listening and thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.